We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Start for the win. It's good. Bogushevsky takes flight as SGA plays through the contact, banks it in on the foul. What is up, Thunder fans, and welcome to the Uncontested Post-Game Podcast Edition. We are a proud part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and the official podcast of SI Thunder, and I am your host for tonight. Uh, very, very fun game to cover. I'm excited about it. Taylor Peterson. You can find me on Twitter at Taylor underscore P15. You can find us at the underscore uncontested on Twitter. You can also find us on just about all other socials, including Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and yes, even TikTok. Um, I promise, I keep making this promise at the beginning of every post game that I do, that I will be uh, a little more active on our uncontested TikTok. Life's been busy, but uh, I'll try and get back to it. Maybe start to post some some uh, of the video segments of us recording uh, live uh, with these podcasts and and also obviously continue to post some highlight clips as well. So be sure to follow us on all those platforms also. As I mentioned, a fun one to break down here tonight. The Thunder snap a seven-game losing streak, and they get, this is kind of a wild stat. This is from uh, Joe Masato, the Oklahoman. The Thunder get their first home win of 2022 on the 31st day of January. <laughs> As the Thunder come all the way back from 18 points to beat the Blazers, 98-91. to 91. Pretty solid outing for the Thunder in their first game without SGA, nonetheless. Uh, obviously, Shea being out with a a pretty nasty ankle sprain that he suffered uh, here. I guess it was Saturday night's game. Um, and it was announced uh, yesterday, Sunday, that Shea would be out at least until, or I guess he will be reevaluated post-All-Star break. Um, it, it sounds a little better than than the way the Thunder made it sound yesterday. Dignall mentioned, you know, that he was at Shea was at practice yesterday. Um, we saw Shea on the, the sideline tonight. Um, seemed to be in good spirits. So hopefully, when he's reevaluated post All Star break, it's not another postponement, and he's uh, he's fine. He's good to go. However, Shea is going to be out long term, and we weren't sure how it was going to look. You know, with it, this, this period with with him being out. And we could probably take some guesses, uh, but we didn't think it was going to be great. 
And honestly, it wasn't to start the game off tonight, um, but it, it got better as the game went along, which we will get into. But before we do, just some quick notes before we get into the game. Some notes I found interesting. JRE was surprisingly called down this morning to the OKC Blue. I, I say uh, called down to the Blue. Uh, maybe I should say he was um, <laughs> he was called to the Blue. Uh, not necessarily a demotion per se, but um, the Thunder just wanted him to, to get a little bit of exposure in the G League. Uh, kind of surprising though and unexpected as JRE has been starting for the Thunder. Honestly, it, it, I don't have the stats in front of me, but it feels like more than any other big man for OKC. So it was a little bit surprising. Uh, the the blue play today um, at Paycom Center at noon. So that's one reason they did it, right? To kind of get him a little more exposure, I think, with that blue team and, and a, uh, a, a guess against lesser talent, kind of see what he was capable of against those kind of players. And then he could be called back up, which he was, to play with the Thunder this evening at the same uh, same exact arena, not having to you know go back and forth, all that crazy stuff. However, Dignall did not play JRE or Poku um, tonight due to them getting extended burn with the blue. And it makes sense. But JRE was awesome. He was fantastic. Uh, not, not that I got to watch the game, but I, I saw the highlights uh, and, and just his stat line here uh, for the blue. I, I don't even know who they played this afternoon. But JRE posted 25 points and 10 rebounds on 9 of 15 shooting and 4 of 8 from 3. Uh, he was so good that Dignall even had some comments post game, or sorry, uh, pre game, pre Thunder game, and obviously post Blue game. Uh, he mentioned that before the Thunder game, that the Thunder are trying to put some of these young guys in new situations to see how they respond, um, some new environments. And he mentioned being at the Blue game. Uh, he was there with being home and getting to watch those guys and just being really impressed with Jerry, his play, but also just how he was still just as engaged with the Blue as he typically is with the Thunder. He wasn't moping around because he, you know, quote-unquote, had to go to the G League or whatever it may be. Uh, he was equally in, as engaged and active. And, and uh, his communication was active as well. And Dignall had nothing but praise pregame for JRE and how he played with the Blue. And again, he just mentioned that it was nothing more than um, these uh, the Thunder trying to get these young guys in, a, uh, in different environments and, and kind of to see how they respond. Well, Jerry responded great. So, excuse me, again, very interesting that that happened. Um, but, you know, an opportunity to let Jerry go down there and be a little, a little more of a uh, main facilitator and a, a main uh, scorer, and he did a great job with it. <laughs> uh, like I said, Jerry and Poku both got called up uh, today after the Blue game to play with OKC tonight, but neither played after both got pretty solid run in the Blue game. And Poku actually had another really solid stat line as well. Um, didn't really score a lot, but had a very balanced game. Uh, flirted with a triple-double, and uh, because of the extended burn that he got, he did not play tonight as well for the Thunder. Excuse me, man. Thunder didn't have SGA obviously, but the Blazers didn't have Dame. <laughs> kind of another obvious statement for those of you who follow uh, follow the league. Um, Dame out with an, an extended injury, the abdominal injury that he's been kind of messing with apparently for a couple like a couple of years now, but it really flared up uh, in the Olympics this past, or yeah, this past summer, I guess, <laughs> whenever that was. Uh, Larry Nance Jr. also is not playing for the Blazers right now. And uh, Nasir Little, who obviously a young promising player for the Blazers, is out for the rest of the season now, I believe, with a knee injury, which sucks to see. Um, so yeah, the Blazers were without some players as well, but 
Again, still <laughs> some more vets and tenured players than the Thunder threw out there tonight. Um, and, and you know, no Shea, and then obviously Jerry getting extended burner with the blue today. Um, we were pretty obvious, pretty certain that was obvious that Jerry would not be starting. That led to some questions that, as to who would start for the Thunder. Well, it was Giddy. It was uh, Lou, obviously. It was Trey Mann, again, his second straight game to start. Uh, Wiggins at the forward position. I was wondering maybe if Baisley would get the nod there with JRE not playing tonight, but uh, it was Wiggins, which I loved, and Favors, which makes sense. I, I kind of thought maybe it would be Diakite, um, something I didn't mention there at the uh, in the pregame notes is that Diakite also was, uh, I guess, signed to another 10-day contract for the Thunder. So I thought maybe Diakite would get that nod, but it was Favors, and that was great because obviously the Blazers have Nurkic down there, and I think they uh, that Dignan wanted another physical um bigger <laughs> true center to kind of bang with favors or sorry with a uh, uh, Nurkic to start the game. So D Kite and Kenrich though are the first subs. The offense was pretty brutal in the first quarter. We, and obviously look, the 30th ranked offense without their best player is not going to be good. Imagine that, right? But it was just about as bad as you thought it was going to be. <laughs> and to be completely honest with you, I kind of expected it to continue throughout the rest of the game to the point that um, I think it was like at the towards the beginning of the second quarter, I tweeted out that I hope the Thunder at least do something so I have something to cover for the postgame podcast. And they they sure did. Um, but, you know, throughout the rest of the, the first quarter, I thought Giddy had some really good open looks, but he was just missing some wide open shots, uh, a couple of those being three-point shots. There was just no one really who could create their own shot with Shea being out. And almost felt like the team was like trying to kind of fill out who was going to fill that void, who was going to be a little more assertive on the offensive end to kind of ignite the offense and also, again, kind of take that, uh, fill that void that Shea leaves on the offensive end uh, for sure. <laughs> the Thunder Trail 31 and 19 after one, shot only 7 and 19 from the floor and 2 of 8 from 3. Obviously not great. And that continued into the second quarter. The Thunder hadn't made 10 shots yet with 4.23 to go in the half. Our guy, uh, Crane, NBA, Nick Crane, tweeted that out there, and I uh, just thought that was a pretty damning stat at that point. Dignall decided to play lineups without one of Giddy, Manor, Dort. After he started them, he didn't want to—he didn't really want to stagger them, which I thought was a mistake, and uh, Dignall obviously did too because he did not <laughs> make that mistake in the second half, and things were much— much better. And again, there was maybe some lineups there in the second half uh, that didn't con uh, consist of Giddy, Man, or Dork, but they were much more limited this go around than it was in the second quarter. Um, the fun Thunder finally going 11 0 run once they don't throws. I, I want to say through Man and Giddy in at that point. Um, and the Thunder going 11 0 run, highlighted by a Trey Man one legged fadeaway that was just gorgeous in the mid range right there, I believe on the left elbow. Um, just so impressive. One of his best. <laughs> Best ones yet, and uh, just really exciting. And that kind of ignited the offense. We saw we uh, had a giddy drive and uh, hit two free throws. We had a Wiggins three once they don't put all the starters back in. That really ignited the Thunder offense and was really impressive. Um, the Thunder ended up going on a 15 5 run to end the quarter. Portland only scored 16 points in the second quarter, and the Thunder were down 47 to 39 and a half, which was much better than it was than, than they were entering into the second quarter. Uh, the Thunder shot only 30% from the floor, though, even after a much better ending to the second quarter. They shot only 30% from the floor at 13 of 43, 19% from three, four of 21. And again, 
like at this point, I'm thinking, man, I'm not sure what to think about the second half. I don't think it's going to get much better. And uh, thankfully, the Thunder surprised me. The uh, let's see, third quarter offense was much better. Start the half. Trey Mann had an and one that kind of ignited it all, which is super exciting. Lou had a ridiculous deep three, um, kind of in between the top of the three point line. Uh, in between the top of the three point line, the logo was really impressive and kind of surprising from Lou. We, we don't really see him extend that range, and that was awesome. Got his feet set, gorgeous shot, and just drilled it. Uh, the Thunder go on a 12 4 run to tie it up um, at 51. Wait, sorry. I, I think they go on a, t- yeah, to tie it up at 51. Okay, five minutes left in the third quarter, and Dagnall still hasn't subbed anyone in yet. because that, I think that's just because how well the Stars were playing. Thunder leads 65-61 to 61 after three, uh, and it was really cool at the end of the, the third quarter. Lou, I, I mentioned uh, at the top of, or here a little bit ago, uh, Lou's aggressiveness, and he had a steal. He, he steals the ball, top of the key, drives down with like a second left, does a little floater, um, he's not able to get all the way to the rim before the buzzer gets a floater off before the buzzer and, uh, and makes it cuts it to a four point or sorry, extends the thunder lead to a four point lead, a uh, much better quarter for OKC was really impressive. Again, Lou ends the quarter with 14 points, six rebounds, three assists, Trey man, 10 points. I'm going to go through all the stats, but a much, much better quarter, way more exciting. And then the fourth quarter happens. It was just the best quarter of all. Thunder go on a 10-0 run after the Blazers tie it at 65, and that was largely led by none other than Ty Jerome, who comes in and hits some big-time shots, had a ridiculous behind-the-back pass. Um, he, he's driving down to the left elbow. He kind of uh, turns to the sideline rather than the rim, has a behind-the-back pass to a uh, cutting Kenrich Williams for a slam dunk, and it was just it was gorgeous. So good. And and Josh Giddy as well. Josh Giddy, uh, like I said, Dignall did stagger some of these guys in the second half, and uh, and it was successful, uh, largely led by Giddy there in the fourth as well. Him and Ty were great to kind of kick off that fourth quarter. Speaking of Giddy, his 11th double-double is a new OKC record for double-doubles in a season um, that occurred in the fourth quarter after he, he already had double-digit rebounds, and he finally got his 10th point of the night to get that double-double. We'll dive into that a little more later. Then they're going on a 15-0 run. Blazers which led by 18, now trailed by 15. Um, the Thunder were 5-6 from three in the fourth quarter, which was, or sorry, at that point, which is pretty awesome. Um, just kind of a three-point barrage after nothing was falling for them in the first three quarters. And uh, the Thunder led by 18 at one point after trailing by 18, which is kind of a fun stat. So, like I said, very, very dull first half. Very exciting second half. Just some post-game notes before we dive into some overall themes. After trailing by 18 points at the 709 mark of the second quarter, the Thunder closed the game on a 74 to 39 run. Pretty impressive. And honestly, as we'll get into, that was largely due to their their defense, uh, locking on the defensive end of the floor, leading to offense, pushing the pace on the offensive end of the floor. Like I've said all season, that is when this Thunder team is at their best. And I didn't all agree with that. He actually mentioned something about that po- uh, pregame that I thought was interesting. This was also the Thunder's seventh 15 or more point comeback this season, which leads the NBA. Uh, the comeback kids are still the comeback kids. We kind of named them that uh, during the Chris Paul season two seasons ago. Uh, we saw some again last season, and it's even continuing this, this season, even if the Thunder aren't winning as many games, still lead the lead uh, in 15 plus or 15 or more point comeback wins. Pretty awesome. 
They were down 18 tonight versus Portland. Just some context. 18 tonight versus Portland. Uh, they were down 18 November 12th versus Sacramento. They were down 18 December 6th versus Detroit. They were down 18 November 9th versus the Lakers. And October 26th, or sorry, <laughs> October 27th, they were down 26 against the Lakers. They won all those games. Obviously, that October 27th game being the um him game from Shea, the logo Lakers shot that, that Shea drilled. That was a fun one to kick off the season. So, uh, like I said, some, some kind of just kind of some fun post game um, notes there that I wanted to mention. They didn't really fall into some themes, but I have things for you all. And for those of you uh, who are longtime listeners, you know that we all do our post games differently. And when I'm solo, it just it's easiest, especially since these games are usually late at night and on <laughs> on a work night or, or week weekday night uh, weekday night week night games. <laughs> it's just easier for me to break these down into negatives and positives. And again, I say negatives and positives because we always end on positives. And fortunately for us tonight, there were way more positives tonight than negatives. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So uh, just to briefly go through just these couple of negatives that I have, uh, some of these even being a little nitpicky just because I had to come up with something, which was pretty good. Uh, a pretty good feeling. This one's a kind of a given for every every game this Thunder season, and obviously has been a negative of mine. I think for almost every post game that I've done, almost just kind of have to do it by default. But the Thunder three point shooting, Thunder shot twelve forty one 
Although the fourth quarter was much better on that front. If they didn't have that like barrage of three point shots in the fourth quarter, it would have been much, this stat would have been just horrendous. Um, and I'm just curious, like will Pressy address this in the draft? Um, or does he just go best available, which I think he should do, for being completely honest? If he does that, that probably, like, if the Thunder get the, the kind of draft pick that they're hoping for, that we're hoping for in this upcoming draft, that player is probably going to be a, a three-point threat, and that's automatically going to help the team in space of four more, therefore leading to more three-point shots for the Thunder and a better percentage. But let's just say that the, the best available player um, in the draft Presty views for this team and ends up drafting isn't a great three point shooter. Does he maybe a, or, or just maybe an average three point shooter? Does Presty maybe address this once all the the pieces are in place? So instead of just drafting shooters with these picks, you know maybe he goes a different direction. Um, maybe he goes for a big and then he goes for a best available, whatever it may be. Then do we see Presty kind of? You know, we keep talking about when he gets to a certain point, wanting to push some of these extra chips to the middle of the table and really start to build around the core pieces that he's able to draft with some of the core pieces already in place being Shea and Giddy. Well, Percy, you know, when he's starting to uh, build out the rest of this team, is it for three-point shooters at this point? I, I don't know. I'm just kind of curious to see how he views that. Like, does he want that immediately? Uh, is that something he thinks he can get in uh, in trades rather than the draft? Maybe a combination of all the above. I'm just really curious to see how Presley continues to fill out the rest of this roster as they kind of transition, uh, reposition out of this rebuild. It'll it'll be really interesting to watch. Again, this is all by default right now, but I'm not sure it's something that can sustain itself. And uh, I'm just really curious to see how Presley pivots from this point forward um, with this, like I said, being in the negative for every single game this season, pretty much by default. Um, and then my last two here, I just like really kind of have to stretch for these um, because from a stat standpoint, from a player standpoint, there's not like a ton of other negatives. Um, so I just like want to mention Teo here. I don't think it's fair to just call him a negative outright um, because he only got five minutes tonight. Right. But I think that in itself is probably a negative just because he doesn't look comfortable when he's playing with the thunder this season compared to when he's playing with the blue, like this incredible stretch that he's had over the, the past two weeks with the blue. He's just tearing it up. I mean, if he were to play a full uh, a full G League season with the blue and is putting up those kind of stats that he was over the past couple uh, of weeks, he's probably in contention for, like, seriously, MVP of the G League, right? Uh, I think of, like, uh, B-Ball Paul last year, who I think got through the award. Um, I, I, I think guy or somebody like Teo is kind of, you know, putting up those stats like that would be in contention. But it just doesn't seem to translate when he, on the, when he uh, is converted or not, I shouldn't say converted when he is a uh, bunch back up to the thunder. Um, and I don't know, it's a little concerning. Uh, and obviously they don't, doesn't trust him much. So I'm not looking, I'm, I'm not looking too much into that production that Teo is having with the G league, uh, with the blue, which is unfortunate because I was kind of hoping that he would come back uh, here. I guess I think his first game back was Saturday night. I was hoping to see him be a little more assertive, um, more comfortable from a playmaking standpoint, also a scoring standpoint after his stint with the blue. And that hasn't been the case so far. And they don't, doesn't even really trust him. Although I like in a game like tonight, I understand that maybe the opportunity wasn't there. We'll probably see more tail down the road to finish the season. But all that being said, I'm just gonna, you know, throw tail up there as a potential negative. <laughs> um, 
he he just you know that the G League play hasn't quite translated, and I'm not sure that it will. And that's why I have him here. Um, and then my other one is like Poku not playing tonight. It makes sense because, like I said, him and JRE got a lot of burn today with the blue. But Poku's been playing with the blue here for a while, um, almost as long, if not as long as Teo. I don't know. I don't have the dates in front of me. And he hasn't. I mean, he's he's playing better. Um, he's not really taking on a main scoring role. He he's doing some facilitating. He's filling up the the stat sheet, but it isn't really putting up big numbers. His shooting isn't still isn't great. And I think it's a little bit of a negative that we haven't seen Poku, uh, even when he's called up with with the Thunder, not getting that playing time. I, I think that's a little concerning as well in, in terms of uh, Poku's player development. Now, Poku, I mean, still is younger than some players even in this upcoming 2023 or sorry, 2022 draft. Uh, so, you know, Poku still has a lot of growing to do. Uh, I, I'm not saying Poku's a bust yet. Like many, many people are, but I just, again, throwing that out there as well, kind of having to stretch some here for the negatives um, before jumping into quite a few positives. So let's go ahead and do that. Let's, let's break down the positives because there were quite a few from this game. I have a handful of, team positives, team stat positives that, that I thought were uh, big and worth mentioning, as well as individual player performances that we'll get into as well for getting out of here. So the Thunder's defense is my first one I have, and maybe the most critical and the most glaring positive of this entire game. The Blazers were 2-22 from three in the second half. The Thunder held the Blazers to 50 second half points, and that's after the Blazers scored 116 points, 125 points, and 112 points, respectively, in their last three games. Um, after letting the Blazers shoot 59% in the first quarter, the, the Thunder held Portland to 35.6% the rest of the game. They held the Blazers to 3-28 from three after the first quarter. So not only were the Blazers only 2-22 from three in the second half, they were 3-28 from the four, or sorry, from three after the first quarter. Uh, the Thunder first forced 14 turnovers, which was really impressive. Again, especially when they were up um, as much as they were in the fourth quarter after making their comeback, they didn't just you know settle for for making that comeback. They didn't even settle after they had extended their lead. You had Lou Dort, Kendrick Williams diving for loose balls. I, uh, Darius, there was a specific play towards the end of the fourth quarter. Again, the Thunder were up by double digits at this point. Lou Dort's diving for the ball, um, <clears throat> trying to rip the ball out before a jump ball is called he's successful but it gets kind of like tipped out of his hand so then you have Baisley diving for the ball and like he's trying to save it and unfortunately like he's not able to it goes off of him and is out of bounds but just the effort there from both of those players was phenomenal which and what in a play that would have been um in a, in a you know if neither of those players were making those hustle plays it's going to be the Blazers ball immediately um just really, really impressive stuff, especially when the Thunder were up by as much as they were. So again, Thunder first force 14 turnovers. Um, this is from the broadcast. I found it interesting. Uh, they had like a ridiculous defensive rating, like 120-something in the first quarter. But after that, the second through the fourth quarter, the Thunder averaged a 71.3 defensive rating, which is really, really impressive, obviously. And then Dagnall mentioned this in his postgame. Uh, mentioned point of attack defense from guys like Lou, Baisley, Kenrich, and Wiggins. I thought that was really impressive. We'll get into that when we talk about guys like Wiggins and Lou. Um, and then just a, a quarter-by-quarter breakdown of points scored by the Blazers. 
31 points in the first quarter, only 16 in the second, 14 in the third, super impressive, and then 20 in the fourth quarter. Great, great defense by the Thunder. Great team defense. They were completely locked in um, from the second quarter on, but they came out in the second half and were able to uh, stay engaged on that end of the floor, and I thought that was phenomenal and, and maybe the biggest positive of all from this game. Another one, another team stat. Excuse me. Thunder free throws. Thunder shot 16 of 17 from the free throw line to the Blazers 6 of 8. Obviously, like I mentioned, this Thunder is not a good shooting team, so getting to the line is huge. Obviously, we talked a lot about that with Shea. Shea was kind of leading that, this team um, in that regard of the season, which is a huge positive for him. But without Shea tonight, Thunder getting to the line 17 times still, especially to the Blazers 8. Uh, that kind of goes to the, my last point. Uh, the Thunder didn't foul very much either. Great defense. <laughs> but getting to the line that much uh, is, is a big reason why they uh, stayed alive in the first half when they weren't shooting well and why they came back in the second half. And I think that's something I really want to see them continue to do, especially a team like the Thunder, like I keep saying, are not a good shooting team, attacking like they are, uh, drawing fouls. That's huge and was really, really impressive. And I think the above two positives really kind of speak to an overall theme that I have. The Thunder's aggressiveness without Shea tonight. Not only, you know, like I said, the, the defense and the free throws, but the Thunder had 40 bench points to the Blazers 19, and the Thunder out-rebounded Portland. Obviously a bigger team, uh, even without Larry Nance Jr. and Nasir Little. Um, still a bigger team than this young Thunder team, uh, minus Derek Favors, who isn't young, but still. Thunder out-rebounded Portland 50-41. They out-hustled. Uh, they were more aggressive than the Blazers. And that's why they won the game tonight. And so uh, I think uh, all the above can really kind of be really kind of be wrapped up into one overall thing that I thought that the Thunder were very aggressive and, and it showed. And that's why they won the game. And it was really impressive. <clears throat> so those are my team positives. I, I have some uh, individual positives here. We'll get into Aaron Wiggins, somebody I mentioned here a little bit ago. A little bit ago excuse me. Uh, his defense on CJ was great. CJ McCollum um, just did a really good job. Uh, Dagnall decided that he wanted Lou primarily on Anthony Simons, which makes sense. Anf Anthony Simons has been lighting it up. I know that personally as I picked him up here about a month ago in my fantasy basketball team. Um, very proud of that decision. He's been awesome ever since Dame, <laughs> Dame went out. And it makes sense to throw a guy like Lou on him. Gave him a ton of issues, like I said, at the point of attack. And then um, the, the fact that Lou was able to do that on on uh, Simons means that you need somebody on CJ. And Wiggins did a fantastic job as a whole. Um, also, his three-point shooting. While still not super consistent, which is fine, it's consistent enough. And it seems like Wiggins' threes always come at critical times. Um, it, they... Like for tonight, they either sparked an offense, you know, kind of re-sparked the, and reignited the offense, or they continued. Uh, maybe the, the offense was sparked and the Wiggins three was kind of a, a kind of the flame, right? <laughs> that kind of ignited the, the Thunder's offensive fire. And uh, I, I love seeing that. Uh, looking at, I guess I probably should read off his stats because I haven't done that yet. Uh, Wiggins only had seven points, but he had eight rebounds. Again, just a, another hustle guy. Really good at... Uh, you know, getting himself in the right position to grab boards. That's something he's been good at all season. And obviously just the fact that he has that mentality to crash the boards like he does on both ends of the floor is awesome. Um, only three of eight from the floor. It's kind of interesting. I didn't realize he shot eight times. I kind of like that with Shea out. Um, 
and he was only one of four from three. So I guess I'm a, a bit of a dirty liar. But the one three that he did have was uh, was really exciting. And I continue to notice that with him. But I would like to see it be a little more cons- see him be a little more consistent from the floor. Still not a fantastic offensive player, but for a guy on a two way contract who was drafted in the second round, pretty impressive. And I continue to be really impressed with Wiggins, primarily his defense. Um, and he can contribute on offense. He's not a zero, which is a big, big positive. Um, and, and all I'd say, I'm going to be shocked if he isn't converted to a full contract post trade deadline. Once the Thunder kind of figure out what they're going to be doing, they they waive maybe a veteran, whatever it may be. Um, they they create an open roster spot, whatever. I, I think Wiggins will be converted to a full contract post post deadline, and I think most people do as well. Lou Dort, speaking of defense, um, after struggling early on in the first quarter, he really got it going in the second half, just like the rest of the team. His offense was much better in terms of playing within the offense and not trying to like overcompensate for Shea being out, which he kind of did there early on. We've seen that with him uh, from the games that Shea was out due to, to COVID protocols earlier this season. He does try to overcompensate some, and uh, I, I think he, he did a really good job of finding the balance of aggressiveness and also playing within the team which is something that Dignalt's mentioned in, in his uh, media availability quite a bit with players like Lou and primarily Lou being, being kind of the prime example here. I thought Lou was much better with that. <clears throat> he settled into the game. Um, I kind of mentioned this on last night's post-game podcast, or sorry, not post-game, uh, group podcast, where I would kind of like to see Shabe still, or sorry, uh, Giddy be the main facilitator with and, and ball handler and initiator of the offense with Shea out instead of Lou. And Lou can still take on that primary scoring role right now with Shea being out, but I don't want to see him bring up the ball a ton of times, you know? Um, and and I, I think he did a really good job of finding that balance, especially, like I said, after the first quarter. And, and it's interesting that Dayton continues to mention that. Uh, and we're seeing guys like Lou, and we'll get into Baisley, kind of uh, kind of finding that, that perfect balance. I think that's really important. Uh, it was the first game in a while where I thought Lou's defense was back to being pretty much elite. He played great defense on Simons, like I mentioned. You know, I keep saying this, but Daniel mentioned the point of attack defense, uh, stopping the ball at the top of the key, um, forcing, you know, uh, kind of halting Portland's momentum and causing Portland to have to slow it up, bring the ball back up, and uh, and try and get into sets. It, he he was great on ball with, with Simons, which is important because Lou has kind of struggled throughout his early career. <clears throat> So far against guys, young, quicker guard, or so not young, <laughs> quicker guards like Steph Curry, Darius Garland, he struggled with this season. Um, compared to some of the bigger wings, ball handler combo players like James Harden, Paul George, where he seems to do better, um, he struggled with smaller, quicker guards. And uh, he did a really, really good job against Simon tonight. Um, and not only that, <clears throat> but I mentioned his effort level, diving for loose balls, even up double digits in the fourth quarter. Um, jumping passing lanes and getting steals. I mentioned that buzzer beater he had at the end of the third quarter where he he jumped a passing lane, got a steal, uh, didn't even have enough time to get all the way to the rim, so he had to kind of go up with a little floater, drilled it right at the buzzer. Just great stuff from Lou, and honestly, I think it's the best two-way game we've seen from Lou in a while, which makes me very, very happy. He was engaged on both ends, and that was great. Didn't try and do too much, play within the flow of the game, just great stuff. Next one. Trey Mann. Um, Trey didn't have like a like eye-popping game on the stat sheet by any means, but really positive stuff from Trey that I think can be built upon. 
Um, and I, I'm excited to kind of see where this goes. 13 points for Trey. That would be the Thunder's fourth leading scorer. Um, four of 10 from the floor, two of six from three, three of three from the free throw line, which is great to see him kind of get to the free throw line a little bit. 24 minutes, which was the second least amongst all starters. Um, tied with Kendrick Williams off the bench. Baisley got two more minutes <coughs> than Trey Mann did. Um, so it still got some solid burn. All that to say, I mean, the shot creations. I mentioned the one-legged step back that he had there in the third quarter was unreal. He had some incredible uh, step back three point shots. It's just, it's next level. It's really, really impressive. And um, honestly, he was kind of who sparked the offense to start the second half. And when you have a guy like Shea out having a spark plug like that and Trey Mann is really, really important for, like I said, an offense like OKC, uh, you can have him in the starting lineup. I think long-term you can bring him in as a six man, just really, really excited to see Trey continue to develop. Um, and, and like I said, just kind of be the ultimate spark plug, uh, spark scoring plug for this team. I think that's really, really important. And it's fun and exciting to think the Thunder maybe have that guy. And now to get to hopefully watch him develop season after season. Uh, I'm just really excited to see how he develops the rest of this season, the off season, and into this next coming season as well. Um, he shot the ball 10 times, like I said, with Shea out. That's good, but I would like to see more. And guess what? I'm not the only one. Yes, that shocked me as well when I heard Dignall postgame because Dignall has pulled him early on the season. Uh, we, we saw like for, for bad shot selection, uh, for poor defense, but the defense has come up to speed. He's seen Shea's elite shot creation. And uh, Dignall's to the point now, he mentioned postgame, he wants to see man shoot more and quicker. Yeah. Brings me so much joy. <laughs> quote, he's the kind of guy you have to let it rip. End of quote. Um, start new quote. We want him to be even more assertive than he's being. End of quote. I'm excited. I, I, I love that a lot. I, I don't even really have anything to, uh, to, to, uh, <laughs> to, to, to expand on that. Like, I, I just think that's great. Um, love hearing this from Dignall, especially after Trey has had a bit of a short leash, like I said, earlier on the season. I mentioned that uh, also on the, the group podcast that we had last night, and it seems like Trey is going to get a little more leeway heading into this latter part of the season, especially with Shea out, um, you know, like I said, until after the, the all-star break. So my final positive here is a name that I haven't mentioned. I'm sure you all are thinking about it. Darius Baisley. Um, Darius had a really, <clears throat> really solid game tonight. 15 points. <clears throat> I think Jacob mentioned this actually uh, on one of the post games he did last week. When you go solo and you're talking so much, throat gets dry and uh, I'm struggling a little bit over here. I apologize. But Baisley had, uh, and we're live, so we can't like do what we do used to do and uh, go into garage band. You can pause, take a drink, all that stuff. Can't do that. Uh, so I apologize. But Baisley, 15 points, five rebounds, three assists, five of seven from the four, three of four from three. 2-2 from the free throw line, and I thought he had more blocks. He didn't tonight, regardless. I'm going to mention some of these stats. Anyways, I thought he had a fantastic – I say fantastic. It wasn't like he did anything huge, like uh, you know, none of those stats were necessarily like eye-popping, but just a really, really solid game from Baisley. Um, after I've given him uh, – our entire podcast has given him um, – or have, have been kind of down on him. Uh, I, I feel like some of my post games that I've done this season – Basically, it's almost always a negative. 
but he certainly wasn't tonight. One of my favorite Baisley games this season. Um, he's had better ones. I think I'm not going to say this is his best, but all around, I thought he played a really good game. And the key here, something I mentioned with Lou, something that Daydalt continues to mention, he played within the flow of the game. Um, him being Baisley, right? He uh, took the right shots when he was open. He was knocking down those shots tonight, which helps a lot. <laughs> but, um, you know, wasn't just driving out of control, wasn't a ball stopper, was moving the ball when it's passed to him, and obviously continues to play solid defense. They don't mention him as one of those plan of attack guys um, when it came to the the defensive intensity stepping up uh, after the first quarter, basically contributing, being one of those players that contributed to that as well. I uh, think that was really, really impressive. Like I said, three-point shot looked good. That was a positive. And then Andrew Schleck t- today, um, his Twitter account, many of you probably follow him, had some really good Baisley stats, although maybe not as applicable to today's game, tonight's game where he didn't have as many blocks. Still really thought these stats were interesting. Only 13 players this season <clears throat> have at least 30 steals and 50 blocks. Darius Baisley is one of them. Uh, Darius Baisley has more blocks than fouls this season, 51 blocks, 44 fouls, and no player in the league with at least 50 blocks has that few fouls. And that's, again, both of those from Andrew Schlecht. Go follow him at Andrew Schlecht on Twitter. Uh, really, really awesome stats to kind of show how good Baisley has been on that end. But I, I mentioned those just kind of to bring me to my last point here on Baisley. Baisley's doing great things, showing big flashes. You know, Daniel kind of mentioned this in one of his, uh, <coughs> one of his media availabilities this year, you know, about Baisley having big peaks, you know, bigger peaks as in he's growing, uh, his, his peaks are getting higher as in he's um, performing at a higher level, but his valleys are low and he just can't find that consistency. And that's the biggest thing for a player like Baisley. He's going to have to find that consistency. And when we say consistency. We're not talking about like doing this one every three games, one every four games, uh, having, having games like tonight, he needs to put games like tonight. Um, you know, he said like, what, two stretches now, like four or five games this season where he, he strung together four or five games that he looks good. We need like a month of this. We like a month and a half of this. And I'm not saying he has to play good every single game. More games than not, he has to be better. Um, or he has to he has to at least have this kind of contribution. And, um, you know, he can stick around because obviously Baze is very, very talented. It's the consistency that he continues to have trouble with. I just really hope he can put it together. So that's all I've got. As you all can probably hear in the background, I have a whiny dog <laughs> i apologize for that uh, but a really fun one to break down tonight so moving forward thunder have the mavs on wednesday to go for another road trip uh, the blazers again on friday this time in portland the kings on a back-to-back saturday going to be a little tough um but kind of an important stretch here for the you know the quote-unquote tank because you have uh you have the blazers again on friday you have the kings on a back-to-back on saturday and then we come back home on Monday to play against Steph and the Golden State Warriors. Also, speaking of the tank, the Clippers lost tonight to the Pacers. So that was kind of a, a double win, a win-win for the Thunder with the Pacers improving in the standings and that Clippers pick, obviously, that we own. Uh, the Clippers losing, improving that pick as well. So uh, a good night overall on the on the tank front um, outside of the, <laughs> I guess, of the Thunder winning. But again, I think the Thunder kind of needs this one for morale, and it, which is really good to see them kind of come together um, and rally with SJA being out. So thank you all again for tuning in. As I mentioned, all these games coming up in the coming week. 
Uh, trade deadline coming up in like less than a little over a week. We'll have you covered for all that. Be sure to stay tuned to the uncontested. And as always, and until next time, Thunder Up. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.